the AFL draft is on, uh, well, next week, Monday, Tuesday. Uh, it's going to be a very exciting night. Uh, we've had our uh, sort of draft catch-up with Caleb Windsor and Nick Watson the last couple of weeks from yep. our Eastern Rangers department. But uh, we're going to go well nostalgic at the moment, and yeah, let's go back in time to reminisce about the drafts previous. And, well, we had this legend on uh, earlier on in the year, and he great, gave us great stories um, about uh, the previous drafts. And he's a Geelong legend. Uh, we love speaking to him, and that's Mick Turner. G'day, Mick. Yeah, good evening, boys. How are we going? We good couldn't night. be better. Thank you so much for joining us again, buddy. Um, now, tell us, um, I'm not too sure. Well, we'll start with this year's draft, first of all. Um, mm-hmm. You know a little bit about it. Can you just tell us, I mean, the whole sort of build-up to this is telling everyone telling us that it's a shallow draft. Now, you don't think so? Mm-hmm. Oh, look, you know, I, I do keep an eye on it. Not, look, I haven't got the uh, perspective I had in previous years, but look, I, I really didn't back in the day anyhow. I mean, when I was reading with AFL recruiters before and at the end of the year, We'd always talk about the Geelong Falcons players and obviously I knew a lot about them and, but I didn't know much about the South Australian, West Australian players and um, to give you an example, uh, the year that Charlie Curnow came through the draft, I virtually, uh, well I didn't plead with the AFL recruiters but uh, I said look, uh, potentially from what I'm seeing and what my experience tells me in 20 years that um, you know, Charlie Curnow is potentially the number one draft pick and um, you know, and, and, and as things fall out, um, he had a bit of a um, you know, a couple of behaviour problems, if you could call those, at the uh, at, at before the draft was on, and he slipped through the pick thirteen at Carlton, mm. which was good for Carlton, good for him, because he ended up at Carlton with his brother Ed. So, um, and now Charlie Kerno, everyone's telling him he's the best player in the competition. He's not, you know, you know in, the, in the top five, and obviously he's a, a dual Coleman medalist. So, I mean, every year he goes through this drama about the draft. AFL recruiters, unlike uh, talent uh, managers like me, we're more positive about. Uh, the talent we see, and you try and sell it, uh, sell it to the AFL talent manager. But AFL talent, uh, AFL um, recruiting managers, uh, uh, every year are the same. You know, it's a shallow draft. There's not much in it. You know, they're very conservative. They want the perfect footballer and uh, the perfect citizen, but that doesn't exist. They've got to grab the talent, develop the talent, you know, which good clubs do, and uh, and then that talent turns into you know superstar uh, players for you. Whether it be uh, Charlie Kerno, whether it be uh, Sam Walsh, who uh, came from us and went to Carlton, so. That's just the nature of the draft. But to me, it looks like a strong draft. Um, you know, there's some really good players in it. And, um, you know, uh, you know there hasn't been too much talk about, you know, trading off the number one draft picks and all that sort of stuff. So uh, it looks pretty solid to me. Mick, it was here. Uh, over the years, what sort of... What have you been... Has it ever shocked you that someone's gone number one or has it shocked you that someone sort of hasn't gone number one? Um, look, they, they're usually pretty good on the you know the first round. There's no doubt about that. It just depends on what um, number they go, and that's usually pertaining to the fact that um, what what the clubs need are. I mean, the number one need that any football club does, whether it's the um, you know the Kangaroos, North Melbourne Kangaroos are on the bottom. You know, they they want talent, but um, what normally normally happens at our level um, when you're running an AFL academy is you have a meeting with the AFL recruits at the start of the year. They all come around. Uh, you present them with your list of players who you think will get drafted, may may get drafted, or you know, keep an eye on this sort of thing. And at the end of the year, um, when the AFL clubs come around, they basically ask you questions about 
what they need uh, in terms of their list, and their list can be bolstered in um, you know, trading and uh, you know, all that sort of stuff, and, uh, and obviously through the draft. But when you draft a player, unless he's an absolute superstar, like a Sam Walsh or someone like that, uh, or Owen Francis or someone, um, you know, it takes a fair few years to develop them. So, uh, so it's a long, it's a longer sort of journey with a drafted player. But look, in the end, you might end up with a player that's going to be a superstar, like Luke Hodge for 10, 15 years. So, um, so that's what normally happens. And um, and then the AFL clubs go off and, uh, and they draft, uh, you know, depending on what their list needs are in terms of positions and, uh, and development for the future. They might have an aging ruckman and need to get a, a young ruckman and train him up for three years or so before. Uh, you know, the uh, Todd, um, Todd Goldstein, one of those retires on you, so that's basically how it works. Well, just, just tell us, in your eyes, um, need versus talent um, sort of thing, who, who, what, what wins that battle? Um, well, you try and cover off on both, obviously. Uh, any list manager would, would try to cover off on both, but I've always you know, been of the opinion that talent wins out all the time. Um, you know, if you need a ruckman, you can, you can go and trade off to get a ruckman to, to pinch it for you. That that position probably happens a lot. Um, you see a lot of ruckman traded, and uh, you know, players get um, traded to clubs at you know, even at the age of twenty eight, thirty, well into their thirties to, to fill a need for a couple of years. But uh, yeah, my own opinion is that um, the number one thing that you do when you're recruiting is you just uh, you draft talent because uh, if you get the right talent and it's a uh, Elite talent like a Luke Hodge or Sam Walsh, as I said, you know, they're going to be a 10, 15 year player. Uh, and what people have also got to understand is that talent is what keep, keeps the AFL going. And that's why the AFL need to keep investing in talent and, and probably invest even more money in talent because, um, for example, you know, Sam Walsh comes to the uh, Carlton and becomes a, you know, a great player. You sell more memberships, you sell more commercial sponsorship, more people go to the game, your TV rights go up and uh, your TV revenue goes up and uh, You've got more money uh, commercially to spend, so yeah, talent one hundred percent is the number one thing. And we know things have changed from from the old days, obviously with social media, especially and things like that. And we've seen this year that Harley's Harley Reid's put a, uh, a, a a slight media ban on himself, given what happened with sort yeah. of Horn Francis the year before. Is would that be some advice that you would give to some of these young kids to to really be sort of wary of the social media side of things? Yeah, look, there's just so many um, people in their ear. Um, we used to try and, um, you know, control that a fair bit, but um, and I used to say to the players all the time, um, you know, I'd just go and ask them and say, well, you yeah, know, who's going to get you drafted? And they say, oh, you will, Mick, or the coach will, or this will, or that will. I said, no, no, the only person that's going to get you drafted is you. I mean, we're, we're as a TAC Cup club or an AFL Academy, the Geelong Falcons and our staff, we're there to help you. Mum and Dad's there to give you support. Uh, hopefully you're going out with a, a good girl um, who's not going to drive you crazy and uh, distract you and, and your mates aren't going to take you out on the grog or put you on, you know, post you on social media having a drink, which uh, which often happens. So that was, you know, in, in my year also, we had to deal quite extensively with social media. And when, um, when something does happen on social media, you've got to notify the AFL straight away, um, AFL integrity, and, and, and these things take, you know, probably three days with a lot of hard work. Um to work out. Uh, got caught, um, you know, out one night and uh, refused a, a breathalyzer. Uh, between Paul Connors and me, uh, well, it probably took three days to, to sort it. So it does take, it does take a lot of time, those sorts of things. And, um, and social media has just made, an, um, you know, just made another a platform for it. But in saying that, though, you know, there's, there's really no excuse for any player doing the wrong thing. Well. They are educated on it ad nauseum from the time they're about 16 years of age, 17, 18, going through 
any of these AFL Academy programs and then into an AFL club and, and then through the AFL crew. So they've all been educated on it. And we're all, we're all make mistakes, there's no doubt about that. But um, there's no real, no real excuse for anyone to make mistakes these days because they've just got so much education. And, you know, if you make a mistake, we'll learn from it and, and move on. And you talk about dealing with recruiters. We've seen uh, the great recruiter from Essendon, uh, uh, Dodorio, uh, st- stepping down. Uh, uh, I'm sure you might have had a few battles and run-ins with him, as most people may have had. Uh, who's the yeah, hardest to deal I, with? Well, I, actually, I actually didn't realise that. So Adrian stepped down, has he? I think at the end of uh, this... Changing roles or yeah, something. changing he's, roles. I don't think he's as yeah, influential as he once was. Yeah, look, yeah. Yeah, look, I, look, to tell you the truth, I always got on really well with Adrian Dodora. I mean, yeah, it's just different um, people. Um, you have better relationships with the baby son, um, you know, depending on their personalities. And, you know, I was probably, um, in dealing with AFL clubs, I was probably pretty brutally honest the way I, I sort of assess things, and people people can take that or leave it. But I, I got on really well with Adrian, and he would make the effort to come down to long, uh, to at least once a year, and... Uh, take you out to lunch with a couple of your key staff, and he'd bring a lot of staff with him as well. And he, he actually did his homework, Adrian. And um, you know, but AFL clubs now, and you know, the AFL in general, is pretty political. And um, you know, you can fight a lot of battles, but eventually, um, we all know in the AFL, you're going to get sacked, no matter where you are. Eventually, you'll get the sack, or you'll have to stand down, or anything like that. But uh, but I uh, I personally got on really well with him, and you know, he went through a period where he had an enormous amount of success before the drugs um, scandal and then during the drugs scandal because so much went on not only did that to build the team on the field um, they probably got it to a good position now but they had to rebuild it off the field as well because you know they lost um, James Hurd and Bomber Thompson and their doctor and you know, high performance manager and a whole plethora of staff so it was a, it was a massive rebuild but I'd say yes, at the moment um, the way I see them with the way they've recruited and everything they're just about ready to go so they've got to give you credit for that Absolutely. Absolutely, yes. Uh, now, you obviously, uh, you're a legend of, and the talent manager at the Geelong Falcons for, you know, ages. So, I mean, you, you had a few greats uh, go through the, the, the club, like you know, Geelong legends like Scarlett and, and Ling and Bartell and Dangerfield and all these. But uh, you had, you got a funny story about uh, Gary Ablett Jr. and his, his upbringing. Um, now, am I correct that you actually did the unthinkable and dropped him in a game? Well, you've got to understand that I did play with Gary Ablett Senior for quite a number of years. Um, we we played in uh, when Greg Williams and him came to Geelong um, in 1984 or was it 86? I just can't remember. I was captain of the club and uh, we we played with Fenelon together for the first part of that season. So yeah, that would have been 86. So um, uh, with Ablett, Greg Williams, and, and Turner as a Fenelon, and Richard always boasted the best Fenelon ever. Which was Francis. Um, and Billy uh, Barrett and uh, Dick Clay on the other wing, and they played you know, for a long time together. We probably only played about eight or ten games together. But, uh, but after that, I played with Gary, you know, for, for fairly uh, seven or eight years. So I knew uh, the strengths and weaknesses of Gary, and one of his weaknesses was that he just didn't like training all that much. And uh, when Gary Jr. came through the, the Felpers program, he uh, as a seven, look, he never did anything wrong. Um, but he was a seventeen-year-old, and he just finished playing with us and playing for. Big country in the carnival, and uh, in those days, we, our zone went from, say, Lara down to Warnable. We'd also we'd always go down and train at Warnable once a year on the boat races, was on, so that's <laughs> the race uh, the carnival. So I'd uh, start to come to training, and 
have a nice Wednesday night every morning when we go to the races on Thursday and we bust the boys back on the Wednesday night after training. So, yeah, we're always long waiting for the bus to come and uh, we've loaded the back field at the numbers and uh, there's one player with him and that's uh, got the opportunity. So, as we're going down to Warnable, I'm on my motor roller. Do you remember those fans? The yeah. big ones, the bricks? The bricks. Um, I'm on my motor roller. I think I'm pretty cool driving with the company car. We can go out with him and see where he is and um, he must have got yeah, lost in time and got lost track and uh, he missed the bus. And I said, well, you know, let me talk to the coach and a few other people and uh, we'll make a decision on what we should do. So the final decision working with me and uh, I actually dropped him for a game. Maybe this is sending the message that, you know, this is leading up to becoming a professional footballer to one has got to start doing everything right. Not that he did anything wrong, it's a proper down if he did uh, on his whole career, but we did drop him for a game and... Um, my memory when he played for Torquay and Mata Wari and obviously after he left the Torn Cup, he never got copped in his life. So he, he actually did get copped once and I'll take the blame for that. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> he's, he's done something wrong. I wouldn't have heard of it. Um, it's Goodness, it's yeah, he's just, he's incredible. Um, so, I mean, obviously he took it well. I mean... He, he, <laughs> it made him the player he, well. he became. Hey? He took it well. He learned from it. He took it well and uh, never looked back, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, was he, I mean, obviously, family ties and all that. So I've been an ablet. You're obviously gifted with a few extra talents and the most most other people. But is, is he the best one that's come through the system? Um, well, it's difficult to compare players with players because we've got some great players come through. I mean, if you look at the best Falcons team, I think eight would have been AFL captains and a lot of those have been premiership captains and uh, Ian Walsh no doubt will be captain of Cal at some stage and uh, they'll be nine AFL captains so I don't think there's any other school or club or academy in Australia that can uh, boast that so you, know, you can compare you apples to apples but obviously as an AFL player um, you know he's, he's probably the best AFL player that's, um, that's come through our program but, yeah, but then you compare him with James Field and uh, Jimmy Bartell and Jonathan Brown and you know, we're coaching all those sorts of players. So it just depends what position you play and uh, what your role is in the team, whether you're captain or not, whether you've won a premiership. But as an individual player, I actually rate Gary Abitubi a better player than his dad. His father was uh, a brute. Um, he was unbelievably fast, unbelievably strong. Probably could have been a heavyweight boxing champion. I reckon he could have played NFL football as a running back, but, um, but he, was, uh, he was a burst player. Um, whereas Gary Upper Junior, a bit like Greg Williams when he was playing, you know, he used to go out and play and dominate the game, kick a lot of goals and, uh, and make a lot of other players play well around him. Whereas Gary Senior was more of an individual player and Gary Junior was you know, probably a, a better team player. So you know, with all the accolades and all the BPs, it's hard to go past, but you, you are comparing apples to apples. There's a lot of, a lot of great players that have been through. And, and, and I think you say that Gary Upper Junior is a better player than Jonathan Brown. They play Yes, mm. no, very good. And you, I mean, obviously, you had Luke Hodge as well, who went pick one in that super draft. I think G- Gary yeah. Jr. went in that draft as well. But uh, what was Luke Hodge like growing up and watching him develop? Um, I, I understand he had, he had to had to shape him up a fair bit before the AFL system. Well, he was a cold boy, so he was a country boy. He was a bit of a lad. Who was the best player I saw 
play at the Falcons. You know, there's no doubt it was Luke College because he new played as a 16, 17-year-old was absolutely outstanding. You know, and, uh, and obviously went on had, had a very you know, great AFL career at Falcons being a premiership captain. Um, so so actually at that age, 16, 17, he's the best kid I've seen. And, um, and then, as I said, you compare him to Jimmy Bartell or Gary Abertz or... Yeah, Jonathan Brown, and when they became, or Paddy Dangerfield, when they became AFL players, they improved a lot. Matthew Scarlett was probably the biggest improvement from when he left us to when he got to Geelong. So, you know, they also improved, and they, they get to an AFL club, they probably have a, a period of improvement of at least eight years, and, um, and they, they got the really great highs. But yeah, Luke Hodge was, um, he wanted to go number one. Um, you know, we were interviewed with, with all one about him, and he used to ask me all the time, am I going to go number one? And I said, yeah, I think you will. He said, well, I want to go number one. But look, he was a, he was a bit injured when he got the Hawthorne. He had really bad joints and osteo. Uh, which you don't hear about much now, osteoclubus. So he had cooked joints, and, um, you know, and he was a little bit loose in his attitude, and uh, it took him a few years to get his head together. And um, yeah, but once, once he was mature and uh, got all those things right, well, he obviously became a great player. And, yeah, probably one of the greatest AFL captains that's ever faced the field. And just the, the the only other one that just springs off, I'm looking at your Falcons' greatest team at the minute, and the only other one that I, I just want to get the story on was Cameron Ling. And, uh, yeah. well, his, his development, because, I mean, obviously he turned out to be one of the game's premier, well, tagger slash midfielder, and obviously Geelong yeah. premiership captain. But mm. with you, wasn't he a, a full forward? Yeah, well, he's just a 17 year old. He played a full forward. He played for the country as a full forward. And, um, you know, he was very, very disappointed in that 17 year old uh, year because he didn't get drafted because each AFL club in those days could take one player each. So, you know, I had a draft pick. Uh, he missed. So, no, look, we thought, you know, the next year, and, you know, we love the good premierships and all those sorts of things in games. But the main reason that, uh, an AFL academy, it's like it's a long Falcons or Eastern Rangers or Dandenong Stingrays, whatever they are, is developed talent, you know, and uh, so it gives his best chance to get drafted the next year we play him as a centre half forward, a centre half back, and as a ruck rover, and um, yeah, it's not a bad story, this one, but it's true. But I went to him and said, look, Cameron, we've got to make you look a little bit more athletic, so you can't have that long hair anymore, you need to shave your head, you know, up the sides, make yourself look taller and more athletic, we'll get you a pair of shorts and they're a little bit bigger and we'll cut the legs on them, so, uh, you know, up a little bit so that your legs look a bit longer. There's no more playing with your socks, Dan, you've got to pull your socks up and make yourself, just make make yourself look more athletic. Now, when the draft came along, it was the same time that Brian Cook became CEO of uh, the Geelong Football Club and you know, they were still drafting the best players they could but they, there's no doubt in my mind they wanted some local content and um, you know he wasn't an early, an early draft pick or anything but uh, they drafted Cameron Ling and you know, credit to him he turned he completely changed um, the sort of game he was playing he was used to playing as a key position player and um, as you said he turned himself into an elite AFL uh, tagger, you know, and he used to play on all the best midfielders like Nathan Buckley and do, did a great job and mm. he did a lot of possession himself and ended up, you know, captain of Geelong and, um, you know, played in the premiership and, uh, you know, retired victorious, you know, as a premiership captain uh, uh, at the end of his career. So look, he, he did a really good job and, and Cameron Ling was 50-50. I mean, there's good luck stories and, you know, bad luck stories and he was one of the good luck ones because I reckon it was very, very long ball whether he was going to get drafted or not because, you know, Geelong to them and uh, Brian Cook and the recruiters, Stephen Wallace, they, they took the pun on him and 
he was always always going to do well. There's one thing with Cameron Ling is that you know he was going to get drafted. He would give you 100. percent He wouldn't leave anything unattended un, uh, to. So he's going to train really hard, which is which is the key with all these kids. You can have the talent, but once you get drafted, you go to an AFL club. You've got to put out, put in 100 percent effort to keep on improving and improve your game and uh, and get the best out of yourself. So, and he was he was one of those players that did that. So you know, he's a much admired player. Oh, well, great insight. Is. Certainly is. Now, also, uh, just let's just say you're head of recruiting or team listed uh, at the Cats. I'm sure you'd love that mm. position, uh, Mick. Uh, what would uh, not? That don't you don't have to necessarily name a player, but uh, just a position or a type of player that uh, Geelong desperately need out of this year's draft. Well, I think Geelong just need to go back to the draft. Number one, I mean, um, they didn't do much trading this year, and. Uh, you know, I'm not being critical, but they've let their list get pretty old. And, it, you know, you can't... It's, it's, that's a hard thing to criticise because two years ago they pumped the Sydney Swans and won the premiership with a, with an ageing list. And, uh, you know, those players did really well. They hit the wall a bit last year. Um, as, as you get into your 30s, um, you don't recover as well as the player. You start to get some soft tissue injuries. Um, you know, your output's not as strong. And when you go through the champion data stats on... Even a player like that, Tui, who was about twenty percent down on the year before last year. That's uh, this year being two twenty three. So in two twenty four, uh, when they put their team on the field, if they're all fit and available, eleven of their players will be playing as a senior or well into their thirties. So that's the biggest problem. So Geelong, you know, I think they've acknowledged this, Andrew Mackie and the rest of them. They need to go back to the draft and, and get some young talent. So they're probably going to have a dip for a couple of years. I reckon the Cats. Um, I'm not saying that they can't make the eight if everything goes on right. They probably can because they've got some great players. But as you get older, you get you know, you're more inclined to get injured. Your output goes down a little bit. You can't run as well as you used to. You can't recover as well as you used to. So you know, I, I expect there'll be a little bit of a dip there, and uh, maybe it'll take a few years for that young talent, you know, like the Tanner Bruins and Ollie Henry, who also came from the Geelong Falcons and other boys, um, you know, to fill that void because. Uh, in the next couple of years, they're probably going to have you know, 10 or 11 of those players not playing. So someone's got to fill those positions. And, uh, you know, I, I think they've managed it. They, they list pretty well. They, they try and get games into the younger players. But I, I would suggest that, you know, at least two or three years, they'll probably have a bit of a dip. No, fair well, enough. they've had 17 or 18 years up the top, so, <laughs> I mean, they're due. Yeah, uh, yeah. They've had 20 great years. Don't worry about that. So you, <laughs> you can't criticise. You've done a great job. So. <laughs> Certainly. Hey, Mick, we might leave it there, mate. It's been great to catch up again and, and talk about the draft uh, gone by. Uh, and stay healthy too, Mick. Yeah, no, we wish you all the best with your health, um, which uh, no I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure it'll turn the corner. Yep. Um, yeah, no, it's all good. No, nah, very good. Well, there, yeah, thanks for <laughs> giving us some of your time, mate. Thanks, boys. Good night. Good night. See you. Thanks, Mick. There we go. Michael Turner, uh, the ex-Geelong Falcons talent manager and also Geelong legend.